What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And this is another edition of Pillow Talk with the Casey Crew. Welcome. And first, I just want to shout out to everybody that came out to our live show at Sony Hall. Yes, shout out to you guys. Such an amazing time, uh, a great podcast, great date night. There was so many people there. We just want to say thank you. Shout to Reese. Shout to uh, Major Hype for having a comedy on Smash. Uh, shout to Little Mo. For closing us out. Yes, for closing us out. And just shout to all you guys. We'll talk about it more in the next podcast. And I think we're actually going to release the footage and audio this week. So you guys get to check that out. Are we releasing the audio separate? I think we should just release the video. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, Separately? No, no, no together. Yeah, just a video. Well, it's going to be the video. The video. We're going to release a video with no audio? No, but you got to put the audio on SoundCloud for people that want to just drive in their car and listen as well. So then you're going to do it separately as well? Yeah, separately So the as answer well. to my question was just yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Now let's get into Pillow Talk. Now if you don't know what Pillow Talk is, it's just getting I in bed, just talking about everything that's going on in the world as far as pop news, top news, and just news. Pop news and top news? It rhymed. I just wanted to say it. it just, <laughs> It just rhymed. Okay. All right. Well, let's start off with Demi Lovato. Now, um, if you don't know, if you live under a rock, uh, she pretty much almost died. You know, she was out and about with her friends. I believe it was a, a, a dancer's birthday party. She was out. They went back to her house and she was found the next morning uh, damn near dead. They believe she OD'd on a drug. They don't know what drug it is, but um, one of her dancers or one of the people in the house, they believe, gave her, it was a... Uh, um, like an antidote. Like an antidote. And the mm-hmm. antidote is called uh, Nargone? Narcone? Maybe Narcone. Narcone, I believe. I, I'm not sure. I think it's called Narcone. Yes. And you can actually find the drug. Because uh, I was like, who the hell walks around with this antidote? Mm-hmm. I was like, do you just put this in your back pocket? That like, threw me Just in case I get high. For I just wanna, a loop. You know? I'm like, wow. There are people that are walking around with anti-overdose antidotes in their pocket. Is it right. in the form of a shot? I thought it was in the form of a shot. It's it is, not? It is in the form of a shot. Yes. In and a, you can buy it at a pharmacy? Yes. It's called Narcan. It's called Narcan. Narcan. Or Narcan. It's N-A-R-C-A-N. So I don't know if it's Narcan or Narcan. I don't know. But anyway, yes, you can buy this at a pharmacy. That's so hard to believe. I said the same thing, but it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. But it's kind of like um, like if birth control were mm-hmm. able to be gotten from a pharmacy without having to go through your doctor. In a way... You can kind of. No. They have the overnight pill or whatever it's called, right? That's like... um, I don't want to get too technical, but that's that's the morning after pill. Morning after. That's the, what I that's, said, the next day pill? Yeah, the yeah that's pill. the morning after pill. And that is in case you become impregnated, you can take it and it pretty much terminates the pregnancy Correct. Um, at that stage. Right. So that too, that and if, for instance, birth control were able to be gotten at a pharmacy, I think it kind of encourages people to have more sex mm-hmm. because the precaution is readily available or the fixer is readily available after the fact. Yeah, but with Narcan or Narcan, it's a little different because people who are addicted to drugs, they're going to do drugs regardless. It's not like they'd be like, well, at least you got the antidote just in case. Now I'm going to do more drugs. Now I think it's like mm. they're addicted and that's a good point. they're going to do it regardless. I that's think it's I think it's genius because let's say you have a child that's addicted to drugs. 
you can keep that in the house just in case you walk in this room and he ODs or you have a husband that's or a wife that's addicted or I'm sure that's why it's available you know so you can always have that because by the time the ambulance comes or by the time you find them you could have saved a life it might have been too late no I think that it's genius I do but I do think that people just because they're going to do the drugs anyway Mm -hmm. I think that it just allows for a little bit more freedom to get more loosey goosey with it or to maybe push the limits because you know that in the case that you overdose that an antidote is sitting right there on the dresser and someone can give it to you yeah I mean somebody still has to give it to you though you can't just well I don't well it would it would be senseless for a person to OD by themselves with the antidote on right. the night table right, because right. they can't administer it to right. administer it, it to themselves. So, of course not. But if you're in a group or if you're, you know, with your boyfriend who's also an addict or you're in a group of people or even if you're now here's another thing. Mm-hmm. When we're not even just talking about like full blown addicts. Sometimes people do drugs socially and they don't know how far is too far. That's true. Or how much is too much. So, for instance, for people like that, it kind of gives them a little bit more flexibility because they have a little bit of a safety net that they can get from Walgreens, CVS, or Rite Aid, right. for instance. You know, So nonetheless, you put both things on the scale, and I think that it's definitely more beneficial to have it available. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about a small downside. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and thank God that one of the people at her house had it, I mean, which I thought was crazy because they gave it to her Called 911 and got out of Dodge. Bananas. They didn't stay. They just pretty much got the fuck out. I can't That's believe what they're that. saying. So, but the reason why they probably did it is that they're probably all there using illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. And they figured we did everything we can for her. We gave her the antidote. And now we got to get out of Dodge because we don't want to be brought up on any charges or involved in this mess. She's a celebrity. Who knows? Right. You know how this how is going to fall on right. our heads. So let's just get the hell out. Hard to believe that they made that decision, that they made that choice, but that's probably the reason why. Yeah, and you know, the crazy thing about it is a lot of friends and families of hers are saying that they knew this was coming. I'm they, sorry, I'm sorry. What? But you know what's crazy? What? That they called the aunt, but nobody put her in the car and just took her to the hospital. I mean, she OD. She probably was. She probably was unconscious. So it's crazy that no one picked her up and put her in a car. And drove her to the hospital. If that were my friend, or even if it was my acquaintance, at the very least, I would put her in a car and take her to the hospital. They wouldn't be able to do that. Why not? Because they were probably drugged up too. You think they weren't able to drive? Even if they dropped dropped her off or whatever. Because, you know, you never know how long an ambulance is going to take to get there. They weren't there to make sure that they got there and took care of her. That just. Think about you it. You don't have any control Mm-mm. of that situation once you leave. Think about it. Could you pick up a, a, a person that weighs 150 pounds, put him on your back? I don't think there was only one the person there. I, it it could have been, I'm sure there was more than one person. That's Two people difficult. could have gotten her out of that place. And they could have banged her up. They could have moved Come her. On. No, no, no. Sometimes no, no, when people are hurt and no, no, injured, no, no, they no. tell them don't move the person. They never show This is an overdose. This is a car accident. No, <laughs> you know, a distance isn't going to slip in her spine. No, like they, you can pick her up nah, and put her. Two people right could thing. pick her up and put her in the vehicle. They did the right thing. Call the ambulance. Then you got to figure out where to get to the hospital. How far 
lot of hospitals away. And if, if they're just Babe, in a house, a they don't Google know. Google search and you put it in the Waze app. Like, no. Ambulance Very be, easy. Ambulance oh my gosh, she overdosed. Here's the antidote. Let's get her in the car. Let's get her to the hospital immediately. Because at that point, every minute can count. No, not every no. minute can I disagree count. With you. I put it in Google. Ambulance. Get to the hospital. Drop her off. And if you're so scared, you leave at that point. If you don't give enough of a bleep, you leave at that point. Let's say, let's say that, let's say the hospital is twenty minutes away. Correct. Mm-hmm. And that twenty minutes, she can die, right? And you don't know what to do as a person because you're not a medical person. So she's in the back seat. She might be throwing up. She might be doing a bunch of other things. The ambulance is going to take ten minutes to get to your house because they have sirens and they have lights. They can get to you faster than you can get to them. So it makes way more sense I to have the ambulance. I don't know that's true. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. And, and another thing, do you want somebody that's on heroin driving you to the ambulance trying to figure it out if they high too? I mean, I don't know if everybody, I high. don't know if everybody there was high. Nah. I don't know Call if people ambulance. that are high drive. Like I really don't know. But let me ask you a question. Let's say it was a close friend of ours that was at our house, mm-hmm. and let's say they were in the bathroom and they OD'd. You wouldn't. Unless it was a close friend that we loved, you wouldn't take that friend, put them in the car, and take them to the hospital. You would wait to call an ambulance and wait for the ambulance to get to the house and then wait for the ambulance to get them to the hospital instead of putting them in your car and driving them directly there? It's a little different. How is it a little different? Um, Because obviously these people left her there because they were on something. You know, you wouldn't just leave her there. You know, even if you wasn't on something and you were scared, you would stay there. So they left nine times out of ten because they were on something. And I believe I believe that so, they were on something. I just don't know if everybody was there. Everybody that was there was on something. I don't know the degree to which everybody was so high. They wouldn't have left. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't have left. But you also don't know who she was partying with or who she was hanging out with. They could just be like, you know. You're not going to leave somebody dying. Drug companions. If they don't if they don't care about you, you right. have to, it depends on the quality of people that you're with. Right. So to answer the question, I'm glad they called an ambulance because if they left that fast, that means they really didn't give a fuck about her. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather they call somebody that can help. Me, a little different. It, de- it, it all depends. If I'm in a place where I don't know, then I'm going to call an ambulance. But if I'm here in my house, I know how far the uh, the the hospital is but a quick I know Google search would tell you that Rashawn but you still gotta find it even Google search you still gotta make it right here we take ways all the time how many times I miss my exit like fuck cause you don't pay attention when you drive fuck you never drive anywhere without missing an exit right. <laughs> so that's a you problem and that's me, not an everybody problem me missing that exit with somebody in the back that's throwing up that I don't know what's going on they could die that could be life or death that ambulance is gonna be there but, I mean but realistically if you're gonna put somebody that overdosed in the back of your car you would put them on their stomach in I, case they do throw up they don't choke on their vomit I honestly don't know I'm not a, I, I'm not a nurse I'm not a doctor I don't know but they, whichever they way. would be dead with me because I have no clue I would have sat them up and put a seatbelt on like weekend at Bernie's where they're just sitting there I don't know mm-hmm. but anyway back to uh, Demi Lovato you know it, it's, it's very sad because she was sober for six years you know yeah and um, they, like I said her friends and family said that they kind of knew she was going into this route because she she started changing. She started hanging out with the wrong people. She got rid of her sober coach. And she, I don't know if you know, but she owned part of a treatment center in L.A. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, she owned part of a treatment center. And they kind of knew and they were trying to help, but they said she wasn't being receptive. But this is a difficult, and I, I don't know because I haven't dealt with anybody that close in our family that's been had drug problems. But I can't see my son or my daughter or a, a close, close friend being addicted to drugs where I know it's bad and me not being like I'm going to be there all the time if I could be I'm going to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm around to to see what's going on if I got to curse out all her bad friends and 
do all types of things. If I got to hire security to follow her, because she's a superstar, she's right. worth millions, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I definitely would have handled it differently. But, you know, thank God that they gave her that Narcan or Narcon, whatever it's called, and she was able to, you know, live. But I think it's a little bit different. Um, I know that that's easy to say, mm-hmm. but from what I understand of being an addict, if you want those drugs, mm-hmm. you are going to get those drugs. Right. Somehow, some way. And I think that she was going through bouts of depression when she was an addict in the past. Mm-hmm. And somehow she beat it. She went to rehab and she got control of her life. But we really never know what's happening in someone's life that causes them to slip back down that slippery slope. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw some comments on social media where people were so cruel. You know, they said things like, I'm so disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. I have no respect for you. Things of that nature. And I just find that people are so judgmental. Absolutely. You know, you have no idea what a person is going through Mm -hmm. and what they're suffering. And people handle their problems in different ways. And unfortunately, some people turn to drugs and alcohol so that they can numb themselves of the pain not be affected by it so that they can forget it so that they have an escape. They have a place where they can just kind of let their hair down and feel easy for those moments or Mm -hmm. those hours or however long the drug lasts. And then when that effect goes away, they need it again. Right. And it's terrible because I think that with drugs, I don't think you get addicted after your first try, but you enjoy the way it feels. Mm -hmm. You do it again. Right. And then it's just it's 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 a it's a slippery slope when it turns from doing it socially and casually to being addicted where you develop a physical dependency and not just a psychological right. dependency so at that point it takes over your mind and your body and you need it and that's why rehab is so necessary for a lot of addicts they literally have to force you into withdrawal. They they withhold that drug from you and they have to monitor your body as you pretty much resurrect yourself out of that, that the depths of what addiction brings you to. Right. And, you know, it causes tremors, physical pain, sweating. Like I've seen people go through withdrawal and it's just... It's really, really awful. But that's just a testament to the control that drugs can have over your body. Absolutely. And you just, you know, you have no free will at that point. People will steal from the people that they love the most to be able to afford to go out and attain that drug. Absolutely. You know, so it's just, um, I don't know, it's just, it's like a tool of the devil, I feel, you know, and she succumbed to it again and this is where she's at and just like all other drug addicts you know they're victims and you know people will say how are they a victim they chose a life of drugs as opposed to a clean life and um yes they made that choice but just because someone makes a choice and it goes badly at that point doesn't mean that they're not a victim of the nature of the circumstances of the choice that they made you know she's a victim of the nature of those circumstances it was a bad choice yes she made it but she lost control absolutely and that makes her a victim of everything that unfolds from that point out i'm glad i'm glad she got 
I'm glad she's uh, she's doing fine now. She's up. She's conscious. She's around family and friends. And hopefully she'll get back on that next step and, and go back to that road of being sober and getting back to the things that she loves to do, whether it's music, whether it's acting, whether it's who knows. But I hope that, you know, she's OK. Being in this industry is very difficult for a, a lot, lot of people. pressure. Look at what happened. Pressure. Look what happened to Britney Spears. Right. And I don't know that that included any type of drug use, but. The pressure, and I was talking to someone about this the other day, the pressure mm-hmm. of being under the microscope right. and the pressure of being great mm-hmm. is a tremendous pressure. When you're wonderful at what you do, you're talented and people are championing you every day. I could imagine that there is a fear to fail. Absolutely. Look at what happened to Dave Chappelle. Right. From what I understand, he was doing the Chappelle show mm-hmm. and he was so successful. Everybody was watching the Chappelle, the Chappelle show. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was retelling his jokes. You couldn't go into a hair salon or a barbershop or a cookout and someone's not talking about one of the jokes, or one of the skits or something mm-hmm. like that. And the network offered him, I think it was like maybe $40 million for his next contract. I think it was, I think it might've been more than that. Might've been more than that. Uh-huh. I remember 40 million. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Which Whichever way, an incredible amount of money for his next contract, and he just disappeared. Right. Dropped off the face of the planet. Well, not really. I think he went to Africa. But the way that I took it was that he just couldn't deal with the pressure to continuously be as great. Right. The expectation for him was so high. And, you know, it's one thing when... You're naturally good at something and you Mm -hmm. put out something organically and it catches and everyone loves it. And you're thinking to yourself like, wow, I didn't even have to really work hard for that. Like I was just doing what I do. Right. But now when the expectation is so high and you have to do it again and it's not as organic, it's more calculated. And now there's dollars and bills that hang in the balance. I don't know how that feels. And I think that that's what made him have to pack up and just be like, you know what? I can't be a part of this right now. I just yeah. need to go and separate myself. And yeah, he was he was he was scared to lose control, you know. It, it was uh it was they, they believe it was around 55 million dollars and he just didn't want to lose that control. He felt like he was doing it at one point more for fun. This was his life. Right. But now when he felt it was like just natural. the pressure of 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 that money and now having to 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 look at ratings and make certain quotas, he just didn't want to do it anymore and it really went away a lot of times people don't feel badly for celebrities because like oh my gosh you're living this lifestyle you're living everyone's dream and you have all this money and fame and people love you and whatever but that comes with an expense absolutely it's not just I would imagine that it's not just glory and rainbows and and, and peaches. It just, I think that it's a very difficult life in a lot of ways. Of mm-hmm. course it has, you know, it's fruits, but I think the pressure can be overwhelming and that might've been part of it. I know she had other personal bouts, mm-hmm. but I think that that was a large part of it. So I just think that everyone needs to pray for her. Absolutely. And um, wish her the best and not be so judgmental. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely praying for her and I hope that she gets back on that wagon. Because it's fall off the wagon, so get on the I wagon. I had to think about that oh, yeah, for no, a second. You, you saw, so <laughs> my eyes going left and right. She had to get on the wagon? No, oh, because she, she fell off the wagon. Off the Got wagon. it. Got okay. It. All right. Well, the next thing I want to talk about is um, something we talked about that happened uh, about two weeks ago. Um, but I just find it very interesting. And I feel like nobody really talked about this that much. The duck boat incident. 
Oh my All right. goodness! So if you don't know what a duck boat is, um, cause there's a lot. There's not a lot of duck boats in a lot of different cities. Um, I, I see it a lot in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I seen one or two in New York City, but you don't really see them that much. So what a duck boat is is if you could imagine a double decker bus that rides on the street and does tours in the city, and then it's able to go into a body of water and become a boat on that water, and and you know do a tour on the water. Well, this was in St. Louis, and uh, the duck boat had about 31 people, and the weather got nasty. So the duck boat got on in, I'm not sure if it was a lake or if it was a river, uh, but the duck boat got on the lake. It was a lake, actually, um, and a storm came through. The duck boat capsized, Mm-mm. and 17 people died. And this lady lost, um, was it 11 people? She lost. I believe so. She lost eleven. How many people died? Repeat that. Seventeen people died. Yeah, I think maybe eleven of those people were parts of her family. Right, eleven people of her family died, and this was her child, a husband, uh, cousins, her parents, her parents. I mean, it was. I think it it was was, more than one child because I think her statement was, "I lost my children, or I lost my babies, or mm -hmm. something like that." So I was under the impression that it was more than one child. Yeah, very sad. Um, The the people that died range from ages from one to seventy. Um, such a sad thing. And what pissed me off about this so much is Mm -hmm. now they're saying that the the actual captain of the boat they said he knew the weather report before they took off. So, I mean, I would think that he would have to, right? right? Mm-hmm. Now, they're also saying that when they got on the boat, the captain was like, you won't need your life vest. Don't even worry about it. You won't don't need your even life worry vest. about it, is what he said. And mm-hmm. I'll say all this to be alleged, just in case, but you don't even need your lifeboat. Life vest. Life vest. Mm-hmm. Um, the storm hit, and those people couldn't swim. It, yeah, she, um, she had uh, nine of the 11 members of her family on the boat. Nine of the 11 family members died. Nine of our 11 family oh, members I on that see. boat died. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it capsized, she couldn't swim even to save her kids. Mm-hmm. Nobody could really swim. They didn't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty much just watching your family members die and drown. Um, the captain was quoted as saying, above all your life jackets, there are three sizes. I'm going to show you where they are, but you won't need them. So no need to worry. So we didn't grab them. That's that's what they believe that the captain said. Um, now, the reason I, I wanted to do this report is because I don't think it got that much press because I believe it was more of a, a, a African-American and um, I want to say a lower income family families on that duck boat because. The fact that so many people died and it seems like that coverage is not even there is crazy. Mm-hmm. The fact that whoever owns that duck boat is not being sued, brought up on charges. Like, you killed 17 people. You've seen the, you seen the weather report. It's not like you didn't see that weather report. You've seen the weather report and you still went out there. Well, I think that him being sued or brought up on charges w- would depend on if the law holds him liable Mm -hmm. you know the law would have to dictate that he makes sure that before that bus enters the water that everybody has their life vest on you know because lots like for instance when we were in florida and we went on that airboat ride Mm -hmm. 
the captain of that airboat would not take off until all of us had our life vests on. Correct. And they were closed. Absolutely. I don't know what the law is there. That might be the law in Florida. The laws may vary or, you know, or he, he just may, it may not, he may not have been bound by that. Mm -hmm. It might be left up to his discretion. Right. You know, and to just, I'm, I'm getting the, the updates. I'm just reading the updates now. Hold on. If it's left to his discretion, then he can't be liable. Absolutely, but you can't just say, okay, yeah, I'm going to tell you where the life vests are, uh, but you won't need them. No. You can if the law dictates that. I don't know. That's my point. Is it an error in his judgment? Of course. Is he responsible for those deaths in many ways? Yes. But we're just talking about the law. I'm not sure the law, but she lost her husband and three children. She had three children. Three children. And the only two that was left is herself and her nephew, who's uh, 13 years old. I mean, I I just, this is one of the things where, and I hate to say it, sometimes you got to protect your family. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to look, you got to look, I don't want to say stupid, but you got to look stupid to protect your family, you know? What do you mean? Sometimes when you get on the boat and the guy says, you won't need these life vests, and you know your kids can't swim and you can't swim, you got to be like, you know what? I'm going to put all these vests on my kid. And I'm going to be the only seven people on this boat with life vests. But if something happens, I'm going to be cool. And sometimes we're too cool for that. But sometimes we have to because we got to be able to protect. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really think that it's a matter of being too cool to put the life vest on. I think that number one, people always think nothing's going to happen. Correct. Or it's not going to happen to me. Yeah, absolutely right. Or he's been driving this boat, this duck boat, every day for the past God knows how long. Nothing's ever happened. Mm -hmm. What today's going to be the day? Just like when I get on a plane. I don't feel like anything is going to happen for the longest when they put on those videos or, you know, the stewardess comes out and she's telling you what to do in case of an emergency for the longest. I'd be like, yeah, but that's just a waste of my time because this plane isn't going to crash. Mm-hmm. You know, like they do it every single time. Come on. Like planes don't really go down like that. You take your life for granted. You take your safety for granted. So I'm sure that that's exactly what this was. They probably thought, well, eh, nothing's going to happen. If he says we don't need him, we don't need him. We're good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. But but we got to stop thinking like that. That's the point. It's kind of like the same way. Um, oh, my gosh. Like maybe four years ago, we were out of state. You had a show. We got there. I just decided I wasn't going to go to the event with you. And I mm-hmm. stayed in the room and I'm looking on, I'm searching the um, the television for something to watch. And I ended up on a station that. I'm trying to think what the title was um, emergency room errors or like medical emergencies that ended badly, but it was focused on errors of doctors in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And pretty much what I walked away with was that, you know, you go to a hospital and you tell them that you're suffering from this. A lot of the time, doctors will take your ailments and think, yeah, whatever. Oh, it's an exaggeration mm-hmm. or she's not really feeling that she's just saying that or you know yeah I don't know I just I, I think that she's blowing this out of proportion if you feel as though something's wrong 
you have to be your own advocate right. and you have to stand up for yourself and you have to make sure that what needs to get done gets done. And if you have a feeling that someone isn't taking you seriously, you request someone else. Correct. A lot of people don't like to put themselves out there like that because, oh, I don't want to insult somebody or I feel embarrassed or I'm not upfront enough of a person to stand up for myself. So I'm just going to do what they say and whatnot. They say that that's a leading reason of a lot of deaths in hospitals mm. because they're not being taken seriously or they know that something's wrong. They don't say anything. They don't stand up for themselves. They just listen to the doctor and they allow themselves to be directed. And sometimes it ends with their own fate hanging in the balance. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So my point is you have to do what you have to do thinking about the worst case scenario. Right. So even though nothing has ever happened on that duck boat before, I'm thinking, well, today might be the day. Right. So let me go ahead and put my vest on. I pay attention on the plane now. I mean, I think I pretty much know right now, right. but I you know, I don't just disregard safety precautions. Right. And see, for me, I'm a little different. I think that's because my dad's a retired police officer that he was always on a defense. Like mm-hmm. he always wanted to make sure he knew how to get out. So when I'm on those boats and I'm on that stuff, I'm always looking at, okay, if this happens, what do I do? If this happens, where do I go? If this happens, where I go? See, I know how to swim. Yeah. Madison knows how to swim. Logan knows how to swim. So the only- If I was on that boat, I'd be dead. No, you wouldn't because I would get you first. But I know the procedures of what I need to do. You know, I know the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to grab Brookie, grab Lundy, grab Jaxie, and I'm going to give one to each child. You know, I know that London, I know that Madison can control London. Because London knows how to swim. She might not be a great swimmer, but she knows how to float. She knows how to hold herself down. Mm-hmm. So does Jackson. Brooklyn, not too much. So I got to make sure my first priority is Brooklyn and you. Mm-hmm. I know that the others can figure it out for a little bit until I get there. But I know you have no swimming knowledge and I know Brooklyn's a baby. Right. So I always, I think about this all the time when, when we're in a pool, even when we're on a plane. When we're anywhere, you're always thinking about an exit strategy right. or a what if situation. Absolutely. I think you about scope out every place before... We enter any place like you're always on the defensive. Right. Even when, you know, I just walk with Madison to the to the store to get some juices and I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. I'm looking and not for somebody that's going to come to attack me, but (laughs) I'm looking like if a bear comes out, what am I going to do? You know, if something happens, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of there? How am I going to get my daughter safely to a position? And and literally, this is like walking down our street. Right. Right. Yeah. The same thing. Like it's just your mentality. But That's I tell how Madison, your brain works. I even tell Madison how to walk. Like when you're walking and somebody walks next to you, put that dog in between you. Keep that dog on a tight leash. Or if you're walking on the street, make sure you can see the cars come to you. You don't want to walk with the cars come behind you on, on the street. Make sure you can see the cars. Right. So if he starts, if he's not paying attention, you could jump in the bushes. But if right. he's behind you, you're going to get hit in the back. It's These always with worst case scenario in mind. Right. And I, I just don't think that a lot of people operate that way. Right. But you have to take hold of your own safety and preservation. Right. And back to the, the you know, the family that was killed at the duck boat accident. You know, I just felt so down because I'm like, they were just enjoying their day. They just brought yeah. their family on and said, let's just go on a duck boat. Let's have fun. Yep. And tragedy struck. I think it was from the captain's neg- negligence. Um, I think it's the fact that he seen if he seen that weather report and knew them them, them storms were coming he in, should have instructed stay them. the fuck off the water. And that's not and, and I don't consider a duck boat a real boat. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a fucking bus on, on, on that that can float. That can float. Yeah, mm-hmm. like stay off that damn water. You know, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, just rest in peace. I just wanted to talk about it. I haven't seen too many people talk it's, about it. It's so... I just wanted to talk about it. Rest in peace. That story and, was so sad. Mm-hmm. Like, it really... Like, this woman, think about it, She lost... A whole family. whole family. A whole family. How, how do you function? Nine how do you people. move on? How do you... How do you operate? How do you how do you maintain the will to live? Right, I don't, you, know? I, you know, like I thought about that story the whole day, and I don't know that I would be able to deal. Or uh-huh. that I would be able to cope. I don't know if at that point I would feel as though life would be worth living. Right, you know. So I hope that she has some kind of support system. And I think that they literally need all. She needs literally all of our prayers. Absolutely. All right. Now, uh, the next thing I want to talk about um, before we get up out of here, I know we're going a little over that time. I know you like going over time. <laughs> um, Dak Prescott. Now, probably you don't know who Dak Prescott is. I definitely don't know who that is. Okay. Um, he is the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Mm-hmm. He released a statement. They asked him about what, what was his stance about kneeling for the protests. Now, you know what kneeling during the national anthem protests. Yeah. Okay, of course. Now, he said, I never protest. I never protest during the anthem, and I don't think that's it. That's the time or the venue to do so. The game of football has always brought me such peace, and I think it does the same for a lot of us players. A lot of people playing the game, a lot of people watching the game, a lot of people who have an impact on the game. So when you bring such a controversy to the stadium, to the field, to the game, it takes away. It takes away from that. It takes away from the joy and the love of football and that football brings to a lot of people. So that's basically him saying he chooses not to kneel and he doesn't believe in kneeling. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that was lame. Okay. Um, and the reason I think that was lame was Colin Kaepernick kneeled to bring awareness to what was going on in uh low income areas and just not even less low income areas what was going on to black people injustices unarmed black men right in this country right and that's the reason why he did it mm-hmm. that's the reason why he said he didn't say I'm doing it to disrespect the flag he didn't say I'm doing it because I'm disrespecting the league he says I'm doing it because I'm using what I have and the fact that I'm such a huge star and people watch me to try to sign to shine a light on that right uh, people took it different ways. They was like, oh, my God, you're disrespecting the flag. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, you're disrespecting the game of football. But that's what it was. And for a majority of it, it did put that light on what was going on. Of course. The problem is, I think it's over being overshadowed now. And now it's become more about kneeling for a, a, the national anthem opposed to the reason why he did it. Mm-hmm. But by him saying that, I think that's an out. I think that's a huge out because... You know, uh, Dak Prescott, I'm not sure if he's black, if he's half black or half white or what he is. But and to be honest, there are a lot of black men that's being shot and they are unarmed. Mm-hmm. It's uh, nervous for me when I'm driving and I get pulled over because I, I don't know if a cop's going to be scared if they're going to put a round in my ass. So it's it's real whack. So the, the fact that he put that statement out, I thought was lame. Um, why is, is, did this station, uh, did this statement just come out recently? Uh, a day, about a day ago, a couple of days ago. Why is it coming out now? Why is it being talked about now? If it was going to be talked about, it would be when this discussion was at its pinnacle. Why after it settled down a bit, is he coming out with this statement? Cause the NFL just released it said that any player who kneels during the anthem is going to get fined. And Dak Prescott's uh, owner says that none of their players will be, if they want to play on their team, will pretty much kneel. Uh, his owner said that 
none of his players will, will, will kneel. Like, basically, you're not going to kneel on my team. Mm-hmm. The Giants owner and the Jets owner pretty much says, if my players kneel and they get fined, we'll take care of that fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I love. Mm-hmm. They're supporting your players and supporting right. your your um your minority players. So the fact that he did that, I just thought that was lame. I just thought that was whack. I think he has a lot of fans and at that point, you have so much stardom and so much fame, you can make a big splash in what's going on with this world. And that's why I like LeBron James. A lot of people don't like LeBron James because of his basketball moves. He plays for this team. He's a crybaby. He does this. He does that. But he stands up for his people. Mm-hmm. He stands up for what he believes in. And I think that's dope. Um, it just sounds as though this um, Dax. Dak, Dak Prescott. This Dak Prescott is um, just trying to fall in line. Yeah. You know, um, but <laughs> let's be honest. We don't know this guy, right? That might be what he genuinely believes. It might be. And I think that's whack if it is, but. Right. So it's our opinion to feel that it's whack Mm -hmm. the same way that it's his opinion to feel the way that he does. Right. Um, For him to go out of his way to voice that. I just wonder why. I think they asked him. I think it was probably a press conference and they might have asked him about it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he just didn't come out the blue and say, hey, this is how I feel. Right. I mean, clearly, I disagree uh-huh. with it. Um, and I disagree with it because there are just so many injustices being suffered right, right now at the hands of the African-American community. And it's happening so rampantly that it's gotten to a point where it can't be denied. It can't be excused. Mm-hmm. You can't call them coincidences. Right. There is a genuine problem in this country. Mm-hmm. And the way that our community have dealt with injustices in the past has been by rioting. Right. For example. And... I've heard discussions on rioting where people justify them and then there are people that are adamant um, in their stance that rioting is wrong. Right. I think that rioting is wrong. Um, But people do it because they feel as though they have no other way. Right. And they have to call attention to something that's going on that no one is going to pay attention to. No one is going to shine light on. No one is going to do anything about. So they look at it as this is how we are going to get attention. This is how we're going to get these topics talked about. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the mindset behind it. Again, a lot of the ways that I come to decisions in my life is by putting things on a scale. Mm-hmm. You try to see which side has is the heaviest, which side has the most clout. Um I don't like the idea of harming our own people and damaging our own environments and taking away from our own stores and things to cause, um, to bring attention to something. I think that there are better ways Uh and what Colin Kaepernick did to me is a better way. Absolutely. So when you take away people's freedom because you don't believe that that's the way that they should bring attention to a topic or a subject, then I feel as though you're kind of forcing people 
down the less desirable route, right. the more harmful route, something, an, a route that can be judged more harshly and that mm-hmm. can cause more damage. This was a simple way. Right. And for him to kneel just so that a discussion can be had Correct. and to raise awareness, there's no harm in it. I agree. There's no harm in it. A lot of people thought that that they were disrespecting the flag and all oh, veterans, I fought for this country and this, that, and the other. And, and I can understand why that may have initially been the reaction, uh-huh. but then it was explained. Right. It was explained. Mm-hmm. So it's very well understood Absolutely. why kneeling was felt to be necessary by those who did it. Correct. You know, and I think that those people should be supported. I think those people should be uplifted. And if you disagree, I think at the very least they should be respected. Absolutely. They should be respected and their freedom should be able to be exercised. Absolutely. So by him doing that, yes, I disagree. But as everyone that listens to this podcast knows, I believe in freedoms and I believe in freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. So, he can say what he wants. I just happen to disagree with it. Miss Glad is not on my team. The team that I like. I'm a Giants <laughs> fan, so uh-huh. F them Cowboys right. and the Cowgirls anyway. Right. And if you're a Cowgirl, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I don't believe in the F them, but there you go. I mean, that's football team. That's the fun part. That's f- I said the football team. Okay. But F them. I don't, well, I don't really believe in F anybody. But. It's Giants fans all day. Okay. Well. You, don't, you don't believe in F in anybody? <laughs> I'm just saying this podcast is about to end in a second when you make it anyway you're so stupid well I appreciate you guys for listening oh boy as do I and we'll see you guys later on in the week alright I'm DJ Envy and I am Gia Casey and that was Pillow Talk with the Casey Crew toodles toodles